going to read some words from 1 Thessalonians. Um, if you want to follow along, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. One Thessalonians chapter one. Oh, it's on the wooden clap. Fantastic. <clears throat> Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Archaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. May the Lord bless his word to us this morning. Amen. Father, I pray as I bring your word this morning that you may let me speak your words and that you may give us hearts and minds to hear and understand what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. So I thought as we came to this time of rededication of the church to the mission that God's given us, and, you know, partly we're, we're discovering his mission. We're open to, to what God wants us to do. But we have some kind of core things that we're already doing that we know God wants us to do and his blessings in that. I thought as we, as we started the year, it would be appropriate to look at um, what are the characteristics that the Bible talks about people in churches having. Members, non-members, part of church family. What what should we be like? What sort of characteristics should we have? So that's really what I'm going to be looking at today. Um, we'll come back to the passage in Thessalonians because we can pick out some of those characteristics in, in what's happening in that church. So one of the things that, that the church, uh, that the Bible says about, about Christians in the church, members of the church, people serving in the church, is that we should be saved, clearly, but we should be sure of our salvation. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. 
Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. <laughs> so we don't want to fail that test. We should be looking and examining ourselves to make sure that we know that Christ is in us through his Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 to 15 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, whatever we may ask, we know that we may have what we ask of him. So as we start 2023, do we have that confidence that God is in us, that God lives in us, and that our salvation is secure? Because if we haven't, we're on a bit of a rocky foundation to start with. We want to, to be able to test ourselves with that uh, knowledge of sure salvation and, and more that confidence that God has things in, in store for us and that he won't let us down. If we ask anything according to his word, he hears us. So do we have confidence that we are saved and that we're empowered? I think Christians in the fellowship, in the church, whether you're a member or not a member, but Christians in, in serving in the fellowship should be baptised biblically. <clears throat> Matthew 28, verse 18, that great commission says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian serving in the church, have you been baptised? You may be baptised and confirmed earlier in your life, and that's fine. But there's a reason for baptism. It's a command. It's a sign of, of identification and witness of Christ's birth, death, and resurrection. It's, it's a sign of that new creation that we are born again. It's a sign of submission, in a way. A step of obedience in the Christian path. So I think, I think that, that God is calling us to be baptised. So if you're a Christian that isn't baptised, perhaps that's something to think about. Do come and talk to a leader about, about that. And if you are, brilliant, well done. <laughs> I think Christians are called to attend fellowship faithfully. Acts 14, 27 says, On arriving, they gathered all the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Hebrew 10, 25 says, Let's not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but let's meet together, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see that day approaching. So meeting as a fellowship together physically 
is important. It's, it's important for our worship. It's important for our encouragement. And there are lots of other ways to encourage one another. And there's lots of other ways to meet them. And, and I'm not knocking those. Absolutely not. You know, it's good to have Zoom. It's good to have WhatsApp and to, to encourage one another on that. But there's something fundamental about coming into the house of God and meeting together as a church family and worshipping God together. And I think that God will bless us as we attend and as we are faithful to that. And please don't think I'm having a go at people that don't attend regularly. That's not the intention. But if we're rededicating ourselves to serving God in this place, I think we need to be here. I think Christians who seek to serve the Lord in a church should be cooperative. Now, there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff under that word, isn't there? <clears throat> preach whole sermons on, on this, but, but but let's just go with that word to start with. Oh no, I've got yeah, I'm, I'm hot. I'm sure that as, as you preach that God uh, eats me up. <laughs> whether, I, whether it's to say I'm doing the right thing or not, I don't know. Saying the right words. Um, Acts 2, verse 46 says, every day they met together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And 1 Thessalonians um, uh, chapter 4 talks about exhorting, building up and encouraging one another daily. So in that church, they were encouraging one another daily and building each other up. And, and we should never be guilty of causing dissension within God's church. And we're warned of that in, in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3. We need to, to think about our relationships with people in the fellowship. Are they solid? Are they secure? Are they based on love? Are they based on mutual encouragement? Christians in the fellowship should be cooperative. I think Christians seeking to serve God in the fellowship should be consistent as well. Let me just read uh, from 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 1, if you want to follow along. Not very long. Uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to read from around verse 14. We do not write to you anything you cannot read or understand, and I hope that as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I am confident of this. I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then have you send me on my way to to, to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner? So that in the same breath, I say both yes, 
yes and no, no. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who, pre who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. So it's about consistency in uh, the way that we live, in the way that we interpret the word. It's about being separate from the world, but being seen to be separate from the world, um, but being able to relate to the world, being separate about God, um, being separate and holy, being apart from the world, but being in the world and making our yeses be yes, not flipping and, and flopping like, uh, like Paul was talking about. We need to be careful, I think, about our associations outside the church. We need to be careful about our activities. We need to be careful about the language we use. So we want people to be drawn in, don't we? We want to form relationships with people, but we don't want to be accused of hanging out in the wrong places or hanging out with the wrong groups of people, potentially, if we're becoming part of those groups. I think we need to make sure that as Christians seeking to serve the fellowship, we are consistent in what we believe and what we do. I think that Christians in the fellowship seeking to serve should be Bible readers. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman, who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And that workman idea is, is, is an interesting one then. Now, if you're a if you're a carpenter, you you know you make use of the tools you have, don't you? Chisels and hammers and mallets and all sorts of things. If you're a, a surgeon, you make use of the tools that you have to hand to do the best job possible. And as Christians, what tools do we have at hand? We have the word of God. And so why shouldn't we be making use of the word of God to help us in our job? So 2 Timothy 3.16, that famous uh, verse says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God or woman may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's about equipping us for service. And if we're not reading our Bible and we're not taking in the word of God and being filled with it routinely, regularly, I think we're missing the use of a vital tool. And again, I'm not trying to say that the word of God is just a tool, but it certainly is something we can make use of. We need to put on the whole armour of God, we're told, don't we? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in Ephesians 6. So it's not something that is uh, a bit ephemeral. This is, you know, this is talked about a lot in, in scripture, that we need to be breathing in this God-breathed word. 
I think Christians in the fellowship seeking to serve should be praying for one another. And I think, you know, we do that quite well, but we can always do more. Luke 18, uh, verse 1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show that they should always pray and not just give up. <coughs> we should be praying. We should be praying faithfully. We should be praying for our leaders, for the activities in our church, for the people in the church, for the people around us, outside, praying constantly and expecting answers, not just giving up as Jesus exhorts us to. So our prayer life has to be solid if we want to serve effectively in the church. Christians in the fellowship, I think, should be givers. Malachi 3, one of my absolute favourite passages, and weirdly, I just read this as a, a challenge at the last home group that we had set, which was to read a whole book. So I, I picked a really short book. <laughs> <laughs> just because you could. Didn't say you had to read, like, you know, Psalms or anything. So Malachi, and you'll be familiar with this, but it is just a, an amazing book. Um, and in Malachi uh, chapter 3. So the context of this is that, that God's people were holding back gifts, either sacrificial gifts, uh, gifts of money, tithes. And so God, God spoke and he said, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees. You've not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. But we often read that bit about, you know, throwing open the floodgates of heaven, but not the first bit about what you have to do to get the floodgates of heaven to open, which is be generous, Give God what he's due. And that might mean giving to the church. It's just one of the ways that we can fulfill that. It might give, it might be giving money, but it might be giving our time. It might be giving our service. But God says, bring the whole offering in. Don't withhold. And I think that. As we seek to serve in, in the church, we need to, to be mindful of that. We need to bring everything we have to God and to commit to him. I think Christians in the fellowship seeking to serve should be spirit-filled witnesses. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? 
Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. So I think we need to constantly be refilled and refreshed with God's Holy Spirit for our work to be truly effective. I think God is calling us to be Spirit-filled witnesses in Headingham. Recharging our spiritual batteries all the time. Being refilled so much that it just flows out of us. I think Christians that are seeking to serve in the fellowship should be committed. And I don't mean put in a mental hospital. <laughs> I mean committed to the work that is uh, there. 1 Corinthians 15 verse uh, 58 says, therefore, my dear brethren, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Yeah, we need total commitment to God's work, don't we? We need to identify what the Lord's work is and then go for it. No half measures, no pull punches absolutely commit and you know we've got a flavor of that now we're 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 running hotspot aren't we and people are committed to serving the community in that we've got volunteers coming we're about to to to, to move forward with the the food bank and that's going to need a, another commitment of people throughout the year you know serving god in that way we do need to be committed to god's work knowing that he's with us, that he lives in us. Remember that first point that we made. We need to be sure of our salvation and our confidence that God lives in us. And 1 Thessalonians 10, that first passage I read, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, um, verses 1 to 10, gives us an example of all of the above characteristics put into practice. And this was a church that had taken things seriously and was moving forward, despite some, some opposition locally. Uh, Thessalonians is probably one of the, the first of Paul's letters uh, written from Corinth. And the church had been founded on uh, Paul's second missionary journey. But Acts 17 tells us that there was violent opposition locally to the church being set up. And yet the people had made a successful church because of the characteristics that they had shown and because of the reliance that they placed on God. That local opposition had been won around, turned around, and the local ad adversity and apathy of the, of the local people had been overcome. So we see examples in, um, in the passage of faith and loving service in verses two to four. We see that they're very receptive to being uh, uh, spirit-filled in verses five and six. That they take examples from the people, their leaders, and the people that set them up in verse seven and eight, that they, they, they are influenced in a good way. They abandoned idols in verse nine and 10. And they have they had spiritual hope also in those verses. 
And I think, you know, reading that passage gives us a model for our church. If we can take hold of these characteristics that God wants us to have, God can move us forward as a church to, 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 to fulfill the plans and purposes that he has in this place. And it's an exciting thing, isn't it? I think it really is. God uses us as his servants. And that's such a privilege for us to be part of that. But we're not doing it in our own strength. And sometimes I just, you know, particularly with all the kind of nitty gritty stuff about church life, you know, the boiler's not working. We've got plans for building and, and, and you know, we might have to move graves. And I'm starting to look at that. And, you know, you've got to worry about lichen that might be a section eight protected species on the tombstones. And, you know, it's all that you think, God, why are you doing that? How, how can we possibly get through? But we're not doing it in our own strength. And, you know, if God wants us to move a tombstone and it has to be some lichen on it that's protected, I'm sure he'll sort out the uh, British Mycological Society to come and, you know, do it properly and, and it will all work out. I, 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 I sort of do, do worry about the things we have to do because I'm guilty of thinking about I'm doing it in my own strength. But actually, I shouldn't be worried about it. Yeah, I may have to work hard. But God's there with me and he'll open the doors that need opening and close the doors that need closing. So this is a this is a this is a preach to myself as much as to anybody else. It really is. But it's are you lot excited about where we are at the moment? It, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? You know, look how God is working. Look how he's blessing our children, our Sunday school, how he's blessing us. And, and you know, this is the start of 2023 and we've got big things going on in this place. And I'm, I'm, I just praise God for that. So let's, as Paul said, examine ourselves and see if we pass that test. Do we have some of these characteristics? Are we a praying church? Are we a committed church? Are we a confident, sure church, confident and sure about our own uh, salvation? Are we baptised? Are we praying routinely and regularly? Are we giving routinely and, and, and giving of ourselves and our money where it needs to be given? And I think that God's going to do great things. I really do. We shouldn't worry about what he's going to do and where he's taking us because he's taking us in the right direction. That's for sure. stop. Amen. 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 Let's sing our last song. <laughs>